Did you know that over half the world's population lives on less than $2.50 a day? I know, that's just a staggering statistic. So if you make more than $2.50 a day, say with me, I'm blessed. We are. We are truly a blessed nation. $2.50 a day, that's really crazy. And if your family makes more than $10,000 annually a year, you make more than 84% of the world. And if you're blessed enough maybe to make $50,000 or more a year, you are more blessed than 99% of the world's population. Now that's, that's staggering to me. Those are some staggering, staggering numbers. So once again, let's say, I'm blessed. I know, I caught you off guard. Say it again. I'm blessed. Good job. Studies show that as income increases, now, now follow me on this, as income increases, the percentage of giving decreases. Now that's kind of, that's kind of a weird thing, Right? In the U.S., people who earn less than $10,000 give an average of 5.2%. Now, this just isn't the church. I mean, this is just a general statistic to giving to church and charities and stuff like that. 5.2%. But people who earn more than $200,000 give an average of 0.07%. Now, that's less than 1%. So that's just really crazy to me that those kind of statistics are out there. And one of the reasons I feel that sometimes when people earn more and they give less is because they just don't feel like they can give anymore because they spend. We're, we're a nation of spenders, aren't we? I mean, it drives me crazy sometimes the things that I go out and want and buy. I'm just like, will you just put a rain on it, Bob, once in a while? I mean, do you really need all this kind of stuff that you have? But we are a nation of spenders, and, and some of us spend everything that we make. And some of us even spend more than we make, and we put it on credit cards. It's a huge problem. And as a result of all of this spending that we do as Americans, we just don't give that much away. That's statistics across the board. So last week, we looked at some words that Jesus had for us. If you don't know, this is week two of the Blessed series, and what we're talking about is finances. We're defining what tithing is, and we're looking at what does the Bible say about our finances, money, and tithing. And so last week, we looked at three different areas, the bag, the basket, and the barn. Those are mindsets that we have going into how we view money and finances. If you didn't, if you weren't able to make it here last week, we do have podcasts available on the app and online, and you can always catch up if you miss a week or two. So we talked about this last week, and I just wanted to read this Bible verse again. I'm reading out of the NIV, out of Luke chapter 16. So if you have your devices, you want to fire them up, go ahead. That's where I'm headed. Luke 16, chapter 16, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Sounds like a decent principle. And whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. Once again, sounds like a basic principle of life. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And this is what Jesus is saying. And Jesus was talking, uh, this was the parable of the managers. And he was talking about a manager and managing finances and stuff. So 
God is testing you. I don't know if you ever thought about that. God is testing you and he's testing me. Will you love and trust money or will you love and trust God? That's the test. We're going to talk about the test today. Today it's called the blessed test is the name of our series. But the question you might be asking yourselves here today is why is he testing us? Why is he testing me? What's up with this? Well, I think to define it is money promises what only God can provide. Now think this through with me. Money promises what only God can provide. Money promises security, does it not? It does. Money promises security. If I have enough money, I'm secure. Well, let's go back to 2008 and talk to a lot of people that must lost a lot of money when the stock market crashed. Uh, their security was kind of gone. If they had all in on the stock market, 2008, there was a crash. Security was ripped away from them. Uh, money almost uh, also promises freedom. If I have money, I'm free to do what I want. I'm free to buy this. I'm free to go here. I'm free to go there or whatever. But really, truly, only Jesus provides real freedom from his sacrifice on the cross. We have freedom from sin and that bondage and that debt of sin. So although money, it's an illusion, provides freedom, truly Jesus is the only one that provides real freedom. Money promises power. Money also promises significance, power and significance. If I have money, then you know, I'm the big guy on campus or whatever. I can do what I want. I have influence. People want to come to me or whatever. But true power and significance only comes from God. If you read his word and what it says, that's a true statement. So we see here that money promises many things, but only God can provide what the illusion of money tries to promise us in our lives. I want to read another uh, a verse out of Matthew. And, and here we see this verse out of Matthew, but Luke also has a very similar verse a few verses away from what we just read. But I want to read this out of Matthew. I think it's cool that in a couple different places in the New Testament, it says the same thing. Matthew 6.24 out of the NIV says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. So I have a question for each one of us, and be honest, how many of you would say that you don't love money, but you sure wish you had a little more of it, right? Don't love money, but I sure wish I had a little more of it. Well, let me lay down a little Ecclesiastes Bible verse for you, too. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. So I tricked you. <laughs> All of us raised our hands. I tricked you. It just seems that way, though. It seems like we just never have enough. It is easy to love and trust money, especially in our Western culture especially in America today. It's easy to fall into that trap. But God is calling us to love and trust him and him alone. That's what God is calling us to do. So here's what we're talking about today. There's going to be three things I want to talk about. 
It's the blessed test. When I give God my first and my best, he will bless the rest. Oh, that's a tricky rhyme there, Bob, isn't it? Yeah, it is, because I want you to remember it. When I give God my first and my best, he will bless the rest. I saw Zach here today. Zach's right there. Zach, I got a question for you. You can stand up. Um, I'm just going to ask you one thing. Do you, do you have any money in your pocket? You do? Can I have it? Thanks. <laughs> That's a $50 bill. <laughs> so was that difficult for you to give that to me? No, not at all? Okay. All right. Well, hey, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that. That's really awesome. Thanks, Zach. That's really cool. <laughs> it wasn't hard at all. I'm going to show you in a little while why that wasn't hard. So more to come on that. Let's go to Leviticus. That's a great Old Testament book, isn't it? Leviticus 27.30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. That's really cool. Notice that this verse doesn't say, give God a tithe. It says, it says the tithe belongs to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. The tithe is not yours or it's not mine to give. It belongs to God. And the reason it wasn't difficult for Zach to give me that bill that he had in his pocket? Well, it's because it was mine in the first place. <laughs> Thank you for that clap. Thank you for that hand clap. I asked him to simply hold it for me and that I was going to come back for it later. Interesting principle. The tithe belongs to God. When we withhold what the Bible says is rightfully his, we basically are robbing from God. And we read this in Malachi, and if you've been around church for any length of time, this should be a very familiar uh, Bible verse or a couple verses. Malachi 3, 8 and 9. Will a mere mortal, mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? Well, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Wow, that's pretty strong language. The whole nation is under a curse and they're robbing God because they're not giving the tithe. Well, let me give you just a little backstory as to what was going on here in Malachi. For years, the people honored God with their tithe. And when they started to become all fat and happy, what they decided to do is kind of stop giving God their best. And what they started to do is, if there was a little calf born that was blind or that maybe had, you know, three legs instead of four or whatever, well, then they just give, would give that as their tithe to the Lord. They would basically be giving their leftovers. And God said this, it's not the first and the best. You're robbing me. Let's see how you do without my blessing. I mean, that's basically what God was saying to the whole nation of Israel. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to live outside of God's blessing. 
I really don't want to live outside of God's blessing. And this is what we see here. But, but maybe you're still a little skeptical today. You might be asking, um, man, I just, I just don't get this. It doesn't make sense in my mind. And, and that's okay if you're asking questions. That's all right. That's why we do teaching here. And I understand. I understand that there might be some skepticism out there and some questions. Well, let me show you how you will be blessed if you give God your first and your best. How tithing blesses you, number one. This is in your notes if you're taking notes. I failed to make mention, I apologize, that we do have the app and notes are available on there. So you can always take notes using the app. Number one, tithing provides for God's work through his church. Tithing provides for God's work through his church. In Malachi 3.10, we see this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, we talked last week that back in the cultural context, it was agricultural, and so there was grain and, and there was, uh, like I mentioned, calves, and there was different things that would be brought into the storehouse. But the storehouse in the Old Testament was a picture of the church today. And we've changed from agriculture to finance, so that's why we have changed the, the way that we give the tithe. But in a spiritual sense, you come to connect to be fed. You do. You come to connect to be fed. Because connectors tithe, we're able to have this facility to gather in. And because connectors tithe, we're able to pay the electric bill, pay the rent so that we can keep the doors open. And because connectors tithe, we're able to uh, give to world missions, to, to missionaries around the world. Uh, we even support local charities and local things here. We, I talked about last week how we took uh, a special offering to around Christmas time. So there's different things that we do because of the financial uh, gifts that you give to connect. Because of the tithe, we're also able to help people financially as well. You know, we have a benevolence fund that we give. So when people hit hard times, we're able to come alongside of them and help them get over that hump. Because, you know, if we're honest, each one of us have ran on hard times in our lives before. And because Connectors Tithe, we're also able to have part-time staff um, that is able to study and pray and teach each week. That Myself and Jean, Jean does a lot of hospital visits. Uh, we also have the worship band that's able to feed us uh, through worship and praise. And many of the choruses we sing, are, if they're not directly taken from the Bible, they're definitely inspired by the Bible for the writers who write them. We also have connectors uh, here that are in our children's ministry, part-time connectors there, and also in our connection group leader. So there is different ways that bringing the tithe into the storehouse literally feeds the people that are a part of Connect. And that is a blessing for you, and it provides God's work here through Connect. So number one, tithing provides for God's work through his church. Number two, tithing teaches you to put God first. Tithing teaches you to put God first. In Deuteronomy Chapter 14, verse 23, we see this out of the NLT. Doing this, tithing, will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. 
Now, when it says fear here, I always like to define that because fear are many times goes to horror movies <laughs> when I hear the word fear, right? Oh, no, I'm frightened. I'm scared. Ah, No, it just means a reverence or a respect for God, uh, basically to obey him. What he's telling you to do in your life, you obey him. That's a healthy fear of the Lord. And, it, you know, it's really one of the hardest things to do is to surrender to God our finances. It really is. It's very, very difficult. But if you think about that in your life, I would call that the baseline. If we can learn how to submit our finances and how to obey God with our money that is so personal to us and we don't really like to talk about it a whole lot, if we're able to do that and get over that, then obeying God in other areas of our lives becomes easier. It truly does. It's an interesting dynamic. But when you give God 10%, it means that you're going to have to make some hard choices, especially if you're upside down in your finances. Maybe you're going to have to cut out uh, eating out all the time. Maybe you're just going to have to be a special time a week. Or maybe you're going to have to cut that cable or satellite TV or the daily trips to Starbucks. <laughs> I like lo local coffee shops, and I like Starbucks, and I like to get my coffee, but... You know, maybe that's for you, something that you might have to tweak in your budget or that expensive brand new car that maybe you like to have every year or two. Or maybe, maybe those things don't resonate with you, but maybe the ski season ski passes or the golf passes, now that resonates. Or maybe your gun collection, oh, 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 did I go down there? I went down that road. Oh, no, I said guns, didn't I? Yeah, nobody takes away my guns in Montana, right? Oh. <laughs> uh, and it might not make sense to you. It will cost you something. But all of us in our lives need to learn how to put God first. That's what I'm talking about. It's not the money or the finances. It's putting God first in our lives. And as parents, you probably know this if you're a parent or maybe you're a grandparent now and you, this still principle still applies. Your kids are asking why. Why, why? You know what, like that movie, what is that, Finding Nemo? <laughs> it's like, why, 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 why? Mine, 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 you know, all the birds. And it just, it gets crazy. And, you know, finally you just say, because I said so. That's it. End of discussion. Because I said so. In many ways, we need to just be obedient children when the Lord is asking us to do things in our lives. And it just simply comes down to, Father, because you say so, I will. That's what it comes down to many times in our lives. And as we are obedient, we step under the umbrella of his blessing. I talked a little bit about that last week, about this umbrella of blessing. So, And I also talked a little bit about our gene, my, our, our relationship and our life when we first came to the Lord and we started learning about this tithing principle I mean, we were all in, but we were upside down in our finances. And what we decided to do is work hard and be diligent. Now, tithe means 10%, and there was no way we were there in the beginning. So what we did is we gave what we could, and then we were diligent to continue to track it and go and pay off things. I took a second job to pay off bills. Uh, we got rid of cable TV. I mean, we really changed our budget because I just felt, and so did Gene, that it was a principle that we wanted to learn 
and we wanted to do right because of what we read in God's word. It took time, it took effort, and it took sacrifice. But eventually we got there. Eventually we got there. And that, like I told you, <laughs> made mention of before, was off our net income. That was the first goal. Let me get to the net. Then the Lord impressed upon me, all right, good and faithful servant, you did a great job. Now let's go to the gross. And I'm like, absolutely, first fruits. We talked about that last week. I'm, I know I'm mentioning last week, so I want you to listen to last week's message. And so we went to the first fruits, and we gave him the first of what we got. And I, I just want to caveat real quick here. Tithing means money. I know when we were first going to church and we ran across some people that thought, well, you know, I don't really tithe on my finances, but I just tithe of my time. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's great if you want to go above, above and beyond what God calls out in his word, but I'm not seeing how what tithing of time equates to money. It's all about money in the Bible, but if you want to tithe off your time, that's great. And if you don't know, that's 16.8 hours a week volunteer here at the church. I don't know how many people actually would volunteer 16.8 hours a week, but that would be a tithe. So, I mean, if that's what you want to do, awesome, more, more power to you. So that's number two. Number one is that tithing provides for God's work through his church. Number two, tithing teaches you to put God first. And then the last point today that I want to talk about is that tithing increases your faith in God. Tithing increases your faith in God. We have a couple friends down in Bozeman, uh, Bill and Susie Conkler, and um, I just heard this story this last week. It was, it was last week, uh, last weekend during the, the teaching time, Susie just felt that she was to give what she had in her wallet. And she, she kept some money, a uh, $100 bill in her wallet for, for just for emergencies. And so she just felt God said, you know, just give it. So she did. She gave it. At the same time, her husband Bill had a $50 bill in his wallet, and he felt God just saying, give what you have in your wallet. And so he gave up his $50 bill. And so, you know, they just were being obedient to God and just really cool. Well, well it was Bill's birthday weekend last weekend, and, and after the service time, Somebody gave him a birthday card, and they opened up the card, and there was $300 in there. <laughs> I mean, God just blessed them because of their obedience. I just think that's such a cool principle. Now, we don't give to God to double our money. It's not a money market account kind of a thing, right? But, but, but God takes care of us when we're obedient. That's the principle there. It's not necessarily the amount. It's the principle that God takes care of us when we trust in him. And then our faith is boosted up. Man, they walked out of there like, wow, God cares for me. He sees where I'm at. He knows my situation and he blesses me. That's what they learned through that. And I think it's really cool that when I say that God is testing us, he also asks us or tells us to test him. So it's a two-way street. He's not just testing us just for testing's sake. He says, you can test me. Put me to the test, says the Lord. Malachi 3.10 simply says this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven 
and pour out so much blessing that there will be no room enough for you to store it up in. And we talked last week about the basket mindset that the the people out that were harvesting the field would shake the basket and push it down and shake it and push it down till they couldn't get any more grain in there and it was actually running over. That's the principle that God is talking about here. It's the only place in the Bible where God invites us to test him. Go ahead and try it out. Test me, he says, and see what God can do. There's another friend of ours that uh, a couple months ago, uh, they were writing out their, their tithe check, and as they wrote out their check and were about to put in the offering, uh, they looked at their registry, and then re- they remembered that they had a utility bill due that, that next week. And they were like, uh-oh, um, <laughs> these numbers aren't adding up. I talked about God's funky math last week. The numbers just aren't adding up, but I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to trust in God. So they, they put in their check in, in the offering, and right after service, somebody came up and gave them some cash. And they're like, no, 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 I'm not going to take that. What are you doing? And the person who was giving them the cash said, don't rob me of my blessing. <laughs> we talked about that last week, too. And, and they're like, okay, I'll take it. So they, they put their, the money in their pocket, and they walked away. Later on that day, pulled the money out, and guess what? It was the exact amount they needed to pay that utility bill that week. Once again, God knows where you're at. God's going to meet your need. He might not give you the house on the hill or the Cadillac in the garage every year, but he's going to meet your need right where you're at. It's a faith builder. It is a faith builder when we learn this principle of being obedient to God and giving back to God. And, And really, That right there is where the natural and the supernatural collide. That's where the natural and the supernatural have an opportunity to collide when we exercise our faith in that way. Now, like I said before, there's no formula. I know some of us are analytical in our minds and we want to figure out the formula. Well, if I give this much, then I'm going to get that much back and blah, blah, blah. No, that's not the way it works. There is no formula, but what I know is this, is that God will strengthen our faith as we are obedient to him in our lives with our decisions. And as we give and we trust in him, he will take care of our needs. He will. He will take care of our needs. Now, we've made this mention a couple times before, but there's a local business in town owned by Christian folks, Lowenbro. You might be familiar with Lowenbro. And early on, as they were developing this country, or country. (laughs) They're going to take over the country, by the way. John, I didn't know if you knew that, but you're going to take over the country. No, but lo and bro, what they decided to do with their company is tithe off their income and just give it back to the Lord. How many Christian businesses, or how many businesses do that? Probably none. How many Christian businesses do that? Probably very few. I bring that up just to say that it's just not our personal finances. It's just being obedient to God in every area of your life, with your business, with your personal finances. And this obedience thing, like I said, transcends finances. It goes to all areas of our lives. As we're obedient to what God is telling us to do, he will bless us as we are faithful. 
So why 10%? That could be a question that you're asking yourself. Why 10%? I'm glad you asked that because I have the answer right here in my notes. Very good question. The Bible uses numbers to symbolize many different things. Seven is a number that symbolizes perfection. I was born on November 7th. That's all I got. No, I'm just, I'm totally, I'm just totally kidding. I, I don't, I should stick to the script, Bob. That just popped in my head. I'm sorry, I didn't, did not write that down. All right, but seven, seven symbolizes perfection. How many days did the Lord take to create the universe and everything and humanity? Seven days, right? And he said, it is good. I'm done. That's great. Six, however, symbolizes things that are less than perfect. If we think of 666, wow, that's like triple six right there. That's bad. The Bible says that's bad. That, that symbolizes true evil, the Antichrist, right? 666. 10 symbolizes testing. 10 symbolizes testing. God tests our obedience. How many commandments are there? God tested Pharaoh. How many plagues were there? Ten. Let my people go. Jesus told a story about the bridesmaids waiting for the bridegroom. How many were there? There were ten bridesmaids. Jesus healed lepers and tested to see who would come back. How many lepers did he heal? Ten. How many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. I was just testing you on that one, right? <laughs> Getting that ten, ten, ten thing, right? I don't know. About <laughs> Afterward, tell me how many people I tricked with that. I'm just. <laughs> but ten, ten is the number of testing. God is testing you, and He's testing me. Will you love money more than you love me? Will you love and trust in money or will you love and trust in God? And he invites you to test him. Once again, it's the blessed test that we're talking about and it's amazing. My final question that I have for us today before we start to wrap this up is, is tithing legalism? I hear that once in a while. Is tithing legalism? Um, you know, Bob, that's Old Testament stuff with all this tithing business. We live under the New Testament teaching now, grace and mercy and all that. Well, it's true, we do live under grace and mercy, but some argue that we discount the Old Testament law now that we live underneath the New Testament. But actually, tithing predates the law. Before Moses even received the law and the commandments, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. I probably didn't pronounce that right. I really tried really hard as I was gearing up for that word. But he did Abraham tithe, and that was way before the law was set into motion. And plus, here's another thought. Jesus affirms that we should tithe in Matthew 23, 23. Look it up. I don't have it for you today, but write that down in your notes. 23, 23. He's talking to the Pharisees. And he affirms that they should tithe along with doing other things. So if you want to argue Old Testament and New Testament, remember that Jesus always raised the bar. 
Jesus always raised the bar. He never lowered the bar for us. He never lowered it. In the Old Testament, it says, do not murder. But what did Jesus say? We call it the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. But Jesus said, don't even hate. Old Testament says, don't commit adultery. Jesus said, don't even lust with your eyes and your heart. Old Testament says, tithe. Jesus says, give it all. He does. Jesus says, give it all. If you see a need and you can meet that need, do it. Do so. When I give to God my first and my best, he will bless the rest. It requires faith to give first. It doesn't take faith to give what's left over. It takes faith to give first. But when I give God my first and my best, he truly will bless the rest. Proverbs 3 Verse 9 and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled and overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. Listen, God isn't asking us to do anything he didn't do first, by the way. He asks us to give of our first fruits. Well, in Romans 5, 8, it says this, God demonstrates his own love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't wait for a guarantee before he died for your sins or mine. He didn't go to Peter and say, hey, Peter, uh, you know, you need to kind of shape up and stuff. And then when you're all perfect, then I'll, I'll die for you. No, he said that I will go through this first to show how to love I will be the first fruit. In fact, Paul, the apostle, called Jesus that very thing. He called him the first fruits of humanity. And that's love. And that actually is faith right there. And I think, to close, the least we can do in our lives is trust him. Let's bow. Father God, I thank you so much for your teaching here today. God, I thank you that you care so much for each detail of our lives, God, and, and, and really finances for each one of us is a big deal. It's a big thing. That's how we live in this society and in this day and age is through money. That's the currency of the time. And so, God, I know that this is a difficult subject, and I know that this is a difficult thing for us to wrap our minds around, but you call us in your word to be obedient. You call us to be obedient in every single area of our lives. And like I made mention earlier, the, many times the baseline of this is, is trusting you with our money and trusting you with our finances because of how personal it is and to us in our lives here today. So God, I pray for each one of us that we would decide to be obedient to you in our lives in this way. Give us the strength to be able to do that. And I thank you for so many of us, Lord, 
um, that have learned this lesson, and it's still not an easy lesson to learn. But as we are obedient to you in our lives, you continue to meet our needs. I can't say that I've ever gone without. You're an amazing God, and I say thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand up and let's worship with the band for one more song.